Julie. Hi, Christine. I was taking a drink out of my Starbucks. See, there you go. We haven't even started and you're already doing shit. I'm going to have to edit out. <laughs> I did a quiet slurp. It wasn't a loud slurp. So um, a couple things. Yes. I have felt like I really want some input from our mellow maniacs mm -hmm. about what they thought about push. I can't get push out of my head. <laughs> and I'm wondering if people thought that we were being too critical or if people, I just, I'm really curious. So mellow maniacs, I mean, reach out to us. I, I just am curious about people's opinions. I Same. also was thinking about how we need to really encourage our listeners to uh, make requests for us. Yes. I'm going so to have to agree would be, with you on that. What'd you say? I said, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Thank you. What would you say is the best way for a listener to reach out to us? I would probably say slide into our DMs on Instagram. Agreed. I also wanted to say that on my way home today, I heard two songs that are vastly different that I want to maybe cover. Okay. One of them, one of them is a band that I totally love and I'm not ashamed. And every time they come, come on, I say out loud, I love these guys. I don't care what you say. And that is the fray. I love you the do fray. love the fray. Yes, you do love them. Mm hmm. And I'm thinking um, how to save a life might be a good one to do. I like them. I think they're they're fun. That's a good. You know yeah, what? They're catchy. They're catchy in the same way Matchbox Twenty is. I think they're in the same category. I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there's a wonderful radio station here called One Hundred Two Point Three. Sponsor us. <laughs> Would a radio station sponsor a podcast? Oh my gosh! Totally. Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. Totally. Then the song that came on next. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat. How soon is now by the Smiths? Oh, yes, definitely. That's a good one. I mean, those are such vastly different songs. Mm -hmm. I fucking love them, man. I, I know there's, I love them. I'm going to grants, you know, sometimes I'll, if, if people were to look at like, my Spotify, like most frequent, frequently listened stuff or people, they'd be like, this is so inconsistent because it is, it's like all over the place, but that's what I love. It's just what I, it's what we love. That's okay. I mean, I know people that will only, that'll only listen to R&B or that will only listen to like heavy metal or whatever. It's funny you said heavy metal because I also had a thought today that that is a genre we have not covered unless this you're covering it today. This is very true. Uh, nope. When you do a heavy metal song, um, not not something I'm too keen on, but, you know, I'm willing to learn. <laughs> I dated this guy when I worked at Casi Grotto Grill in St. Louis, and uh -huh. he was a cook, and I was a waiter, and I would go to his house, and he was, like, in his 20s, and I was, like, 19. I mean, it wasn't weird, but um, he still lived with his parents, and every time I would go hang out with him, we would go in the basement and, like, shoot pool, and he would play Metallica, and I would pretend like I liked it. <laughs> And so I know, I don't know what the name of the album is, okay? Insert, like, the main or the most famous Metallica album, and I know every <laughs> fucking song on it, every word, from going to this oh guy Mike's God. house. I don't know Mike's last name, and that if he walked so up to me on the street, I might not recognize him, but I do know all the lyrics to Metallica because of hanging out in his basement. And acting like you liked him. 
Yeah. Actually, Dione looked like he was cute. But yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's what age does to you. When you're 19, you act like you like Metallica. Like now, <laughs> if I was dating somebody and I went to their house and I went to the basement to play pool, which that in itself seems weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be like, dude, what the fuck is this? Take this Metallica off of here. You, you would be I mean? up front and be like, dude, I don't like Metallica. And then if yeah. he, it would be a deal breaker. It would be a deal breaker, actually, probably. It might, because there's other things that go along with that. Mm-hmm. And there were other things that went along with that that this Mike guy had. But I just, I don't know. He was cute. It was fun to flirt with him at work. And I was a pretty good pool player at the time, actually. Mm, I don't, I don't. That is not a surprise. Yeah, I, there I was remember. a period of time where I was uh, not so bad with the pool stick. <laughs> This is a podcast where we talk about songs and we talk about the lyrics of those songs. And we talk about what those lyrics might mean. We talk about the, what they mean to us, what they mean to other people. And then we talk about what they really mean. And it's Julia's turn to have a song. I don't know what that song is. So what's your song? Oh, Christine, I am going to finally do a Nirvana song. <gasps> oh, gosh. Actually, this, has, this was a request by my soon-to-be 11-year-old daughter. Wow, a shout-out to Zaylin! Yes, Zaylin. She's been listening to a lot of Nirvana lately. Like, sometimes I'll just, like, walk into her room or and she'll she'll be listening to it. Or we'll get in the car and she's like, Mom, can I have the phone? Can I put on Spotify? And she'll put on Nirvana. Like, it's been her, like, what she's been listening to. I don't know. What, I mean, she's always listened to stuff I listen to. But anyway, so she's been listening to them and she goes, Mom, you should do a Nirvana song for your next episode. You should. That's what you should do. That's just you're, you're always you're always asking, what song should I do? You're going to do a Nirvana song. So and it's her birthday. So it's like a birthday tribute. Yes. Her birthday is the 30th. Her birthday is coming up. She's going to be 11. Yes. OK, so my little Nirvana song. Are we we are going to do the infamous Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yep. 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 OK, let me pull up. Those lyrics. There we go. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's kind of surprising that we took this long to get yeah. here. It, it did take a long time to get here. I was teetering between this and another one. And the other one had significance because it's kind of similar. But I was like, you know what? Nope, this is it. This is the one we're going to do. And I'm excited because whew, God love me some Kurt Cobain, man. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. but being dissecting it much later on from when I first heard it has been quite in telling of myself is that I'll get into it as we get into the lyrics. Okay. Ooh, this is deep. Okay. Let's yeah. hear the lyrics to smells like teen spirit. All right. Load up on guns, bring your friends. It's fun to lose and to pretend she's overboard and self-assured. Oh no. I know a dirty word. Hello, 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 how low? Hello, 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 how low? With the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now, entertain us. I feel stupid and contagious. Here we are now, entertain us. A mulatto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido, yeah, hey. I'm worse at what I do best, and for this gift, I feel blessed. Our little group has always been and always will until the end. Hello, 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 how low. With the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now, entertain us. 
I feel stupid and contagious. Here we are now, entertain us. A mulatto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido. And I forget just why I taste. Oh yeah, I guess it makes me smile. I found it hard, was hard to find. Oh well, whatever, never mind. With the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now, entertain us. I feel stupid and contagious. Here we are now, entertain us. A mulatto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido, a denial, a denial, a denial. (sighs) There's a lot of bathroom on the rights in this one, too. Yeah, I am realizing that in this very moment. (laughs) Right? In this like, room, oh, that's I'm... what he was saying. Yes, like, I don't know. like, oh, okay. I actually knew those. I knew mulatto, albino, mosquito, libido. I'm proud to say, I actually knew. Oh, those. you did? I did know that. That's and impressive. I... You knew that because you like read the lyrics somewhere, I or you just knew I, it? I don't know. I must have read the lyrics somewhere. Music people were like, "We can't play this. We don't know what he's saying. It's just a bunch of gibberish." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. album notes didn't have it in fact um part of one of my little known facts is that the um it was play- you know people were playing it on the radio it was on college radio it hit radio first but when it they did the video and it went to mtv mtv was like oh hell no a woman named amy finnerty she was formerly the head of programming on mtv she said quote unquote it changed the entire look of mtv and gave the channel a whole new generation to sell to. So she kind of was like the deciding mm. factor on giving it the go ahead to put it on. Like it, it aired originally on uh, 120 minutes, which was on Sunday mm-hmm. nights. Mm-hmm. It aired there. And they, she was the one that decided to put it on during prime time, during the day, during the evening. And so she made a pretty, I mean, at that time it was a tough call, which we'll get into as well. So yeah, it's it's crazy because not many people really knew what he was saying. They they even released a video where they put the lyrics like on the bottom, mm-hmm. like as like uh, mm-hmm. captions. There was something MTV had a a show called I can't remember what it was called, but they would do videos and they would show they would like put the cl- caption of the the lyrics underneath it. What do you um What do you think? Tell me your thoughts just off the bat from reading the lyrics. Okay, so here is something I'm thinking of for the first time. Okay. This song is about everything and nothing. It's not very clear, but mm-hmm. I feel like never before had I thought about the fact that it's entitled Smells Like Teen Spirit. Perhaps mm-hmm. the title tells us more. So those of you that are young and don't know this, Teen Spirit was a body spray it was called teen spirit mm-hmm. and it was a cheap body spray that i think preteens and teenagers were using correct yeah a body spray deodorant i think maybe deodorant too yes it, yes uh-huh go ahead like you just got it at walgreens it was kind of you know mm-hmm. so anyway so the song's title is telling us it smells like teen spirit so i mean teen spirit like i said was this body spray for teenagers but mm-hmm. does he actually mean the spirit of a teen? So, I mean, there's a couple of different ways to look at teen spirit. I am wondering mm-hmm. in this moment, I'm under pressure, so I don't know the answer. Does the title <laughs> help us understand the lyrics some? Sort of. So you have some in insight a way. on that. Okay, I okay. have some major insight on it. Mm-hmm. 
my bathroom on the right is I'm embarrassed. The first four lines. I didn't know. Really? Yes. I don't think I I didn't know these words. Um, I think I knew she's overboard and self-assured. I think it's interesting that it is not overboard, like overboard a ship. It is oh, two right. words. Over board. B-O-R. Board, right. She's so over, she is... like she's too bored. Like, yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Right. I don't think I knew that that was the exact spelling. With the lights out, it's less dangerous. Here we are now. Entertain us. Girl, you know what? I'm just going to come clean. I obviously <laughs> have known and loved this song for 30 years. <laughs> Are we at 30 years for the love of God? It was released in 94. No, it's a long fucking time. 28. But I, I think that's 28 years. I think years. it is 28. It's 28 years. Mm -hmm. I don't have any idea what this fucking song is about. <laughs> you know I, what? I I You're do not know that it's mosquito, libido, albino. I do. I did know that, and I wonder if it's because of the video that put the words on it. Because how would I know that? Like, right? That's what I was that. wondering. I was like, I don't know how. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I must have been. You know, there was probably some time, like in my thirties, where I was like, I'm going to Google the lyrics. I don't know. Like when you, when I first started being able to Google things. Oh yeah, you would Google the most random things. Yeah. Yes. You would just look or actually it wouldn't it was like Yahoo when you're like, hmm, wonder what that means. You just randomly look it up. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. I want to know about the title. Okay, I got I got you on that. Do you remember when you first heard this song? You know <sighs> Or do you have any memories when it would play or anybody it reminds you of or anything like that? Oh, 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 for sure. So everything Nirvana including the song reminds me of being in college in Kirksville, Missouri. I lived in this rickety old house with my roommates, Amy and Robin, and for a while, Sarah. And I had recently met who would end up being my baby daddy. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I think of the day Kurt Cobain died, those are the people I was with. So, mm -hmm. Um, cause I was a senior, I was, I was in my last year of college when he died in 94. So mm -hmm. I was like very lucky to be right in the thick, like a college student when Nirvana yeah. was big. Yep. I was a lucky person for that. So when you I hear Nirvana, were. I think of that house and I think of my baby daddy and fondly, I mean, I have very fondly and I can just see that living room. I can just see all oh, of it. Wow. And I can see us sitting on the front porch and singing it. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. what it reminds me of. Yeah. Good memories. That's amazing. And I think that everyone kind of has their, where were you when you first heard it or what's your, where were you? I think a lot of people have the, where were you when you found out that Kurt Cobain died? But I also think that people are like, where were you when you first saw the video? What, what because there's no doubt, undoubtedly, without like hands down, this song, this album, this band, this video change the face of music. It literally changed. And for the longest time, literally up until this morning, I've wondered. I knew that it did. I knew that there was like before Nirvana and after like, you know, there was that it just it, it changed so much. But I never quite understood you know, what that meant to certain people and how did it really do it? Like, what did it do that was so different? And there's actually an article that I finally was able to pull and it literally just summed it up. So they made mainstream music irrelevant. 
Nirvana were able to connect all the strands of music together. Nevermind brought punk to the masses and ignited an entire generation. Its success broke the levee and helped launch a thousand alternative bands. So your mainstream music was like stuff that was catchy, stuff that mom and dad could listen to, stuff that was on the radio that was not ordinary. Of course, all the music was great. But Nirvana kind of catapulted the Cornflake Girls, the not your average you know, girl, like into, or not your cornflake girl, your raisin girl, rather, you know, us under the underdogs, like, hey, we can be famous, too. We can write good music, too. And we can be on the radio, too, which is actually pretty ironic, because Kurt Cobain didn't really like all of that. He didn't want all of it. And he actually stopped. They actually stopped playing Smells Like Teen Spirit. They never really played it live. If you got to hear Smells Like Teen Spirit live, it's pretty rare because they there are times where they would make fun of it and they just they just didn't want to play it anymore because they felt like it was drawing an audience that they didn't really want, which is really ironic. So it's it's such a gosh darn shame that Kurt Cobain is not here. And yeah, he he passed away pretty fresh into their success. But like that, I would have loved to have seen if he would have eventually turned on to be like, okay, I'm okay with this success. I'm, I'm glad that this was successful. I'm glad that Nirvana did this to the music industry, you know, like, because he was so, he didn't like being in the limelight. And I think that it's just so, so ironic. So everyone remembers what it was like before Nirvana came out and after, like we have, we are lucky enough to have lived where we listened to music. We were in that. We remember what it was like before Nirvana released, Nevermind, And then after, because mm-hmm. there were significant changes because pretty soon after that, you know, you're, you know, Metallica's on the, on the radio. I think it was around the same time, but you know, who'd have thunk that Marilyn Manson would ever be like, and Mar- that's probably not the best example, but you know what I mean? Like stuff that people, not mom and dad would listen to is they put themselves on the map. Okay. Don't you think it gave young people in the nineties an identity that they didn't have yet that, that other generations has, have had, like you can picture mm-hmm. a high school student in the fifties. You can picture a high school student in the sixties the seventies, the eighties, but not until Nirvana did you have a picture Mm -hmm. of what a young person looked like in the nineties. And Nirvana Mm -hmm. showed us that your image of a teenager in the nineties is flannel. (laughs) You know, it's it's grunge when you think of a nineties kid Mm -hmm. and we didn't have that yet. And I know that because I I graduated from high school in 1990. Mm -hmm. So I remember the switch from the 80s and the terrible hair and the mm-hmm. shoulder pads. I mean, the 80s was so ugly. God, we were just so, so ugly. God, so we were ugly. ugly. And mm-hmm. I remember the switch to mm-hmm. the 90s. And I remember being relieved because it was baggy clothes, mm-hmm. no makeup. Showering became a little bit optional. <laughs> you know, greasy hair was okay. There was, mm-hmm. I think... Um, a rise in wearing like vintage clothing and wearing like unisex clothing. Mm-hmm. And it was 100% because of Nirvana. It wasn't just the sound. Mm-hmm. It like gave nineties kids an identity. Absolutely. Yeah. And then their music alone, because they were bringing on this sense of you can be the underdog and not be the underdog. Do you know what I mean? You can be have that underdog mentality, but you can be the most popular kid in school. 
you can be the most liked person. You can be the most played on the radio, even though yes. at heart you are not, you're the underdog. You're not captain of the football team. You're not a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. You're the theater mm-hmm. ki- geek or you're the band kid or whatever. Yes, totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. And you can still be somebody. It's just so undoubtedly devastating that he that we lost Kurt Cobain. There's a reason why people our age and in the age group or that grew up with Nirvana or listened to Nirvana that have been around when he first came out. There's a reason why we remember the day he died for many reasons. Everyone has their own. I remember where I was. I was in the in the kitchen. I mean, I remember it all like it was yesterday because it really it struck a chord with me. I mean, I was in high school. I was a sophomore, maybe freshman. I was a freshman in high school. It just, it was huge. Anyway, so the song, okay, let's talk a little bit about the song. So it was released in August um, of 1991 on the album Nevermind. And Kurt Cobain actually has, has said, I was trying trying to write the ultimate pop song. I was basically trying to rip off the Pixies. I have to admit it. When I heard the Pixies for the first time, I connected with that band so heavily that I should have been in that band or at least a Pixies cover band. We use their sense of dynamics being soft and quiet and then loud and hard. So Kurt Cobain has been known and he has never wavered. He will he will say this this person inspired me to write this song. This song inspired this. I originally was researching a lot of Nirvana songs, so I might have gotten this confused with another one. But there was some talk that like he stole a riff from some other band, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so he was he wanted to write the ultimate pop song. He just wanted to write this pop song like the Pixies. So that's do you of, think this is, I, maybe I don't I can see the correlation when how he says, you know, being soft and quiet and then loud and hard. And I think that that kind of ties into what that, you know, what this I'll, I'll credit the, the author, the writer of this quote that it connecting all the str- strands of music together because you couldn't really put them in a in a category because they just had all these different dynamics to their sure. music. And the soft, quiet, the h- loud, hard, yes. And I, I can see the Pixies. I see that, I yeah. Really... I actually saw the Pixies just a couple of years ago. Yes, For you the did. first and only mm-hmm. time. And I am here to tell you. Now, of course, in the last episode, I told you how I had to turn down the bass in my car. Okay, so let me just, <laughs> that's who you're dealing with. The Pixies, when they got loud, was the mm. loudest concert I have ever been to. Mm-hmm. It was I didn't really wow. know how hard rock loud and how loud mm-hmm. he was going to be. Mm-hmm. So I totally get that loud, soft thing. And this song by Nirvana has that same like mm-hmm. really hard, like almost screaming, but also it slows down. So I see right. the Pixies comparison. I just mm-hmm. don't, I just would never call it pop. Right. Exactly. I pop is kind of what throws me off, but okay. I, I get right. the Pixies comparison. Yes. So we're going to talk about the title. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. So Kurt, when this album was written during this time, he, his then girlfriend was Toby Vale. And she was in a band called Bikini Kill. I've heard of that. Okay. I've heard of like, that. Yeah. They were like the ultimate in the riot girl movement. Yeah. And her bandmate, okay. Kathleen Hanna, who later went on to be in one of the greatest girl bands other than Bikini Kill, La Tigra. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She also went on to have huge disputes with Courtney Love, but that's a whole other thing. Toby was dating a girl that was in a band called Bikini Kill. Toby from Wait, Bikini Kill. I'm sorry. That's Toby okay. is the girl in Bikini Kill. She's one of the girls in Bikini Kill. And, and Kathleen she was- Hannah 
who was dating Kurt Cobain? Toby? Toby. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So Toby's girlfriend, or <laughs> Kurt's girlfriend, Toby, uh, was hanging out with Kathleen Anna. They were at the store, and she says it was some grocery store or something, and they saw the teen spirit deodorant or body spray or what have you. And she said, we were both joking around because the name looks so funny. I mean, who names a deodorant teen spirit? What does teen spirit smell like? Like a locker room? Like pot mixed with sweat? Like the smell when you throw up in your hair at a party? So later that night, Hannah, for some odd reason, she was like trashing Kurt's apartment. I think she was just like, I don't know what it was, but that's she was trashing his apartment and just being, they were just having a party or something. And she wrote in Sharpie marker, Kurt smells like teen spirit on his wall. Okay, Toby did or Hannah? Hannah, Kathleen Hannah. Kathleen Hannah, who went on to be in La Tigra. Correct. She was Understood. Lead, she was one of the leaders in Bikini Kill. Yeah. Whoa. So Kurt has been quoted. He said in the Come As You Are biography, uh, which is really amazing. I got That's where I got most of my references um, by Mike, Michael Azerod. He says, I took that as a compliment. I thought that was a reaction to the conversation we were having, but it really meant that I smelled like deodorant. I didn't know that the deodorant spray existed until months after the single came out. So, okay. I got confused. I thought Kurt was at the store with them when they saw the teen spirit. No, no it was just the girls. The girls, he, the girls wrote on his wall, Kurt smells like teen spirit. Right. And the girls were at the grocery store or whatever when they saw it. But Kurt was not at the grocery store. No, he's he. Yeah, he's he claimed that he ha didn't know that that was even a product oh. until months after it came out. So they wrote it on the wall and he got to thinking about it and said, I'm going to do a song with. the." Well, sort of. So that's where like the title came from. And so he said he also told Michael Azerod in the Come As You Are biography he felt a duty to describe what I felt about my surroundings and my generation and people my age. The entire song is made up of contradictory ideas. It's just making fun of the thought of having a revolution, but it's a nice thought. So Kirkman was kind of like a little shit. <laughs> he was like a little like goofball. And he was like, I wanted to write this pop song and I wanted to describe, you know, how he felt about my surroundings, but I was like making fun of it, but yet it was real and it was really a revolution, but it wasn't like, I don't think he set out to write like the ultimate like rock and roll anthem and call it smells like teen spirit. I think he kind of was like, my interpretation is he was kind of making fun of the fact that he this is what he wanted the song to be this is what the song should be or this he had he didn't anticipate it to be what it became it's irony at its finest if you think about it <laughs> so as cobain did more interviews hmm. he actually changed the explanation of the song and rarely gave specifics of the meaning dave grohl stated he does not believe the song has any message this is dave grohl the drummer of nirvana mm -hmm. at the time he, and said, quote, just seeing Kurt write the lyrics to a song five minutes before he first sings them, you just kind of find it a little bit hard to believe that the song has a lot to say about something. You need syllables to fill up the space or you need something that rhymes, which is true. Like when you a mulatto, an albino, a mosquito, my libido, none of that really none of that means anything. He also said it has revolutionary themes, but I don't really mean it in a militant light. The generation's apathy is getting out of hand. I'm pleading to the kids, wake up. It's, it's you it's know, ironic. I wonder if, okay, so when we talk about like 
your image of the kid, a, a young kid or a high school kid in the 60s, your image of a kid in the 70s, your image of a kid, okay. I think one could argue that the 90s, perhaps, we were enjoying the fact that, and I'm not a historian. I mean, I know that the Persian Gulf was was happening, but maybe the 90s were a time where we were the least, what's the word? We were the least engaged in like politics or the world. Like we mm -hmm. were enjoying a fairly quote, you know, easy time. The Cold War was over. So, you know, when he says, load up on guns, bring your friends, it's fun to lose and to pretend she's overboard and self-assured, like, like, we don't really need to load up our guns and do anything because like, we're so privileged. She's, we're so privileged. There's nothing going on. She's even bored and self-assured. Right. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. maybe that's what he means about like, uh -huh. a rebellion that doesn't even really need to happen. Yes. Uh-huh. Maybe. That's, that's. That is definitely something to, to take us take a bite out of and snack on for sure. I like that because the whole I the whole irony of it is he was like, I wanted to write this pop song and I wanted to be like revolutionary, but I wasn't really trying to be militant. And yeah, you there's something to be said about that point in time is what was really going around in the world. And were us the kids in the 90s, were we really like obsessing over really big matters. No, a lot of us just wanted to get through the day. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, being in college at that time, there wasn't a lot of like activism. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I remember I had a really big crush on this one girl and her boyfriend. I had a crush on both of them, to be honest with you. And <laughs> they, um, they it. were members of the green party. They started a green party group on campus. Okay. Uh, and the, okay. The truth is I went there because I had a crush on them. But I mean, I did actually believe in some of their views. I mean, it was very like environmental and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. when I became a vegetarian to impress them too. It didn't work, but <laughs> I, but it was all very kind of like low key. Like we weren't too angry about anything. There mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, I didn't have an experience that we were like raging against a machine really. And maybe <laughs> um, Nirvana made us feel like we could rage against a machine right like this song too i mean it is kind of fun and mm -hmm. light-hearted but yet still you know angsty to yell to scream a mulatto mm -hmm. an albino a mosquito my libido at that part of the song i mean i imagine mm -hmm. myself just doing it i'm not albino, yeah mosquito. you know you're just like the words mean nothing. And you can't help but do like the the hand gestures for the drum beats. Like and all, yes. all of their songs have heavy, like really great drum riffs or whatever you call it. And you can't help but just like, yeah, be like, I feel this. I know what this is like. This is amazing. And just rock out. Because I think it's an interesting thing that you don't have to necessarily know a story. Okay, so lots of songs that we've covered are clearly a story. This is a story about a person. This is a... So the right. actual words coming together really mean something. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is a song that means something in its entirety just because of the way the words really do match mm -hmm. the melody yeah, and the, the quiet and the loud that you almost have to just look at it as, as this one big piece. It's the mm -hmm. opposite of wanting to explicate it and tear it apart. Right. Yeah, you have to look at the big picture. 
Right. No, I love that. And the video goes hand in hand with that too. I think the video, I think there's so much more um, context and dialogue and things to be really understood when it comes to the video because it's, it's accurate. So it's. Remind me, I'm not picturing the video off the top of my head. It's basically a high school pep rally turns into chaos. So in 2000, it was actually in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most played video on MTV. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? So the extras in the video were actual fans. The radio station in L.A. at that time did a call to action for fans to appear in the video. And they said, you know, bring... You know, be prepared to be there for all day, bring a snack, bring food, wear comfortable shoes. But the people didn't really abide by that. They didn't anticipate it to be that long. So it ran past 12 hours and the extras got exhausted and frustrated. So the carnage at the end of the video where people were like going crazy and slamming into things, it was real. Kurt at the end said, all right, guys, just destroy the just, just destroy the set, destroy the music and everything. Just go crazy. That was all real because they were like hot and tired and frustrated and they've been there all day and and they were all real fans too which is even cooler um the cheerleaders were hired from a local strip club but all the other kids were like you know i just pulled it up to uh like jog my memory get a refresher yeah Yeah. for some reason i couldn't picture it but now i am so it's interesting but fascinating because even though that happened naturally i mean you know the mayhem Mm -hmm. that ensued was was not planned Mm-hmm. It sort of goes along with what he's saying the song is about. Right. Exactly. Like, how did that happen? Right. It happened just the way you probably yeah. wanted it to. Yeah. Like, of Kurt, course it you did. Like you're, Kurt, you're Kurt Cobain. Everything you touch turns to gold. Are you a magician? Are you Jesus it's Christ? Unbel- Are you Jesus Christ? Kurt Cobain. I mean, I, it's. I'm going to go with yes. I'm going to go yeah, with yes. I can go with yes. Because. Actually, too, if you watch the montage of Heck, which is the documentary that was done recently, more about him. There's been, you know, stories and things like that about the band. But this is more about his life and his upbringing, basically told through his eyes, through his journals. It's really compelling. It's sad. But his life, he was he felt unwanted and in the way. Because he was a product of divorce and he was acting out and nobody wanted him. He would go to his dad's house for a couple of weeks and his stepmom would be like, no, I'm done. You're acting up. You're being mean to the other kids. And then he'd be schlepped off to his grandparents. A couple of weeks later, he'd go to his aunt. A couple of weeks later, he'd end up at his mom's and then he'd end up here. Like he was acting out and he need all he wanted was just a family. He wanted a mom, dad, some siblings, a house. Like he just wanted normalcy. And because his parents split you know, when he was a te- pretty young, I think he was like eight or nine. It was, he felt like his life was completely broken and shattered and he just, he wasn't wanted. He felt unwanted and literally in the way until he kind of found his people through music. He had a troubled life, but he turned to music and he turned to writing. He did a lot, I mean, poetry and he was a very talented artist. You can actually see some of his art. You know, there's been publications of some of his journals and they're in the montage of heck literally basically they use the journals to tell his story but um dana has a book has a book of of his journals it's like different mm -hmm. loose leaf paper all these different things but i have not heard of heck is that a recent one yeah it's it's actually called the montage of heck yeah it's beautiful it's really freaking cool the way it's done i definitely recommend it I think you can watch it there. It's free on many platforms. So he died in 1994. He was 27. He was part of the 27 club. 
the song smells like teen spirit it's number five on rolling stone 500 greatest songs of all time number two on new music express 100 greatest songs of all time wow and it is in 1997 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame songs that shaped rock and roll. So, I mean, it's just, it's unprecedented. Like, it just, there's there's so much to be said about it. But he kind of felt like it was a throwaway song. Yeah. He, yeah, they didn't play it in their Unplugged. They hardly ever played it live. The first time they played it live, you can actually, there's footage of it. And being a Nirvana junkie that I am, you can kind of tell, he actually says, you know, Dave Grohl had said how Kirk just kind of like comes up with the lyrics like five minutes before the song. In this live footage, the very first time they perform it live, you can I can actually see that that's exactly what he was doing because the way he's singing it actually sounds like a different Nirvana song called uh, "Drain You." And I was like watching it, I was like, "This isn't smells like Teen Spirit. This is Drain You." But it was like it was the lyrics, but he was singing it in the tone of a different Nirvana song, which is really telling to me it's really kind of cool so you'll have to watch the first time you ever performed it and then go listen to the song drain you and you'll kind of see what i mean but we're gonna have that in the show notes you need to send that to me yes we definitely will have that you know and you can you can see the people in the it's funny because there's people that have come forward a lot of people that that were there that they felt the same thing kind of like how when we first heard it they were like at that time when that song was performed we knew this is going to be something huge can you imagine being present for that, that to watch that? Like how freaking cool. So I can't, I can't, it's, I don't, I don't very, even know anybody that has seen Nirvana live. I was just about to say, there's very few people that have been lucky to see him actually in the montage of heck. They kind of do a little, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff. It's all home footage of people that he's, that were close to him. But I think it was Reading festival where he comes out He's being pushed on a wheelchair and they bring him out and Dave girl or Chris Novoselic, the bass player is like, I don't think he's going to make it. And he, they were just being silly. And, you know, he gets up from the, the wheelchair and he starts singing. Um, I can't remember what it was, but he was just kind of being catty and goofy. And then he collapses and the, the little clip of him collapsing kind of became like this really kind of like monumental clip kind of thing. If you, when you see it, you'll know what I mean. But anyway, yeah, not many people have seen him perform. Like he Nevermind came out in 1991 and he died in 1994. It's kind of similar to how uh, Blind Melon, Shannon Hoon. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were around. Nirvana was around and they had, you know, some albums before 91. But it was in 91 when Nevermind came out. And they just I just wish he could be here. He's the type of person I wish he could be here. I want to know what he would be saying about what's happening in the world today. Like, what would Kurt Cobain say about the Kardashians? What would Kurt Cobain say Mm -hmm. about climate change? What would he say about Donald Trump? I would love to know what what Kurt Cobain's take is on all of those things. And then some. If I could have coffee with anybody, alive or dead, it would be Kurt Cobain. And it would be a Starbucks iced Wait, actually, no, it would not be a Starbucks. Maybe it would be a Starbucks because Starbucks is from Seattle. Yeah, you might be okay there. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny because I feel like in my memory of my life, he was around for most of it, which oh. is completely untrue. Wow. Like somehow there's... 
I mean, how can that be? I, you know, he, this was basically the four years that I was in college. Mm -hmm. I was in college from 1990 to 1994, which is about as long as Nirvana was really big. Right. Okay. So four years out of the many years I have lived, but it feels like, like when you said that, yeah, if the album came out in ninety one. He died in ninety four. I thought that can't be right. No, 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 no. They were they were out there performing for you know they were they were out there for twenty years. I think it's because I watched MTV Unplugged on repeat. Oh, for sure. Over, oh my god, I and all that. of the videos mm-hmm. over. I mean, I'd watch Unplugged. I'm gonna. I might watch Unplugged right now. Actually, yes. I think it's because wonder... you wonder. I wonder if it's even available. Can you watch it? Is it would it be on YouTube? How would oh, yeah, you it's watch on it? YouTube? Yeah. In fact, Julie, do you not know the ghost story? Oh, you're right. Didn't the ghost story play into the Nirvana? Yes. Well, there's been a few ghost happenings in this house. And one of them was us walking inside and Nirvana Unplugged was playing on the TV in my bedroom. And the TV was not on when we went outside, nor had we, nor had we put it on YouTube before. It was playing on YouTube when you. It was playing it- on YouTube when we walked in the house. Oh my freaking gosh. 